it's time for the North Idaho PrepCast on IdahoSports.com. Hey, what's going on? It's the North Idaho PrepCast, your weekly stop down of District 1 and 2 athletics in the state of Idaho. My name is Brandon Bainey. Our North Idaho resident and expert is the one and only Ryan Skaggs. Ryan, what's up? Not much. Uh, got engaged on Friday. So, yeah, no, that, that's that's what's up in my life and in my world. Things just all of a sudden I decided, you know, being a dad wasn't crazy enough. I needed to have a wedding thrown in the mix, too. <laughs> yes. Congratulations on uh, getting engaged to Abby, yeah. your, your yes. wonderful fiance. Uh, OK, behind the scenes here, a little inside baseball here on the, uh, <laughs> the North Idaho prep cast. We uh started recording actually about 10 well i thought we were recording uh about 10 minutes we spent about 10 minutes talking about ryan's proposal and how he proposed and plan a didn't work and he had to go to plan b and we just kind of talked about what a great person abby is and how exciting the news is and wedding plans and all that stuff we spent i'm not joking 10 minutes (laughs) And we get done, and I'm going to transition into regular sports stuff, and I look over, and the stupid record button didn't actually, you know, get going. So we we actually didn't record any of the beautiful stuff we said about your engagement, and basically just spent ten minutes talking to each other and nobody else. So that's, that's okay. I mean, yeah, no, it's exciting. So, <laughs> all right, well, give give. I already heard the full story and our audience wants to hear it as well. Give us though the kind of the cliff notes version of this proposal and how it went down. So she's a super sentimental person. So I thought about the whole, and I'm kind of a goofy, more gregarious kind of fun loving guy. Um, And I wasn't going to, I know she hates being embarrassed. And so I wasn't going to like do the whole big dinner, you know, in front of a bunch of people proposal type thing. Cause I know that would make her extremely uncomfortable. Um, So, yeah, I had plans to propose in a, in a photo booth and uh, needless to say, her and both and my son were both hangry and wanted dinner instead. And so my plans of, of proposing before dinner and then kind of doing a celebration thing afterwards were thwarted by by uh, by dinner time. And so we ended up going to dinner and then I ended up we go went for a walk after dinner and I proposed on the boardwalk at the Coeur d'Alene Resort. And yeah, it was special. It was still great. But yeah, plan A wasn't working out. So. I had to shift gears and kind of improvise and ended up still being great. Yeah. And uh, the first time you told the story was, was great, but I really enjoyed the second <laughs> retelling as well. So again, we spent 10 minutes talking about Ryan's <laughs> engagement and wedding plans and we weren't recording. So here yeah. we are now <laughs> a little shorter version and uh, congratulations. Very Thank exciting you. for, for you and Abby, certainly. Okay. Now let's talk about, the sports scene in North Idaho, a lot of, uh, you know, finally, you know, the weather had kind of cleared up and, and then we're recording this on Wednesday, April 12th, yesterday, the 11th, some rain came through, especially way up North, you know, Sandpoint. It was pretty early yesterday. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so some stuff got wiped out, but there's still plenty of good stuff to talk about. I wanted to start with golf this week, Ryan, where on Monday, uh, the Mullen Invitational took place. This was at Pinehurst Golf Course uh, in Pinehurst, which is right there by by uh, Kellogg. Yeah. Um, and so this was kind of a cool deal. It's it's an unusual tournament, and I, I this wasn't on my radar. I, I guess this is the way they've always done it, but for some reason I didn't notice until this year. And the Coeur d'Alene Press had a great 
write up about the event, but um, it's basically uh, instead of individuals competing, you, you, you pair everybody up. And so they have, it's not a traditional golf tournament. Basically there's five different competitions. You select two golfers for each competition and then whichever school has scored the most points at the end wins the ball and invite. So there's boys, best ball, girls, best ball, boys, scramble, girls, scramble, and then a Jack and Jill scramble, which is co-ed one boy, one girl. I kind of like this. It's it's yeah. a different way to do things. It'd be actually kind of neat. I think participation wise, I know that at state they'll never do it because they just strictly want like the boys championship and the girls championship. But it would be awesome. Like the warm up day leading up to state, if they did something like this, would be so cool. Um, you know, if the other classifications got a hold of this and like you know, or all classifications for that matter. Um, did something like kind of similar to this would be super neat. I think it'd be fun um, as far as for the kids to kind of showcase, but yeah, it's a really neat event. I mean, I think that's super, it's rare. You don't hear about it all the time. I mean, obviously in tennis, you see mixed doubles and then you have boys, singles and girls, singles and boys, doubles and girls, doubles. Um, so it's kind of taking that format, but translating it to the, you know, the other country club sport uh, being golf. So yeah, no, super neat event. And uh, of course, you know, Kellogg wins the Jack and Jill scramble, which probably isn't surprised to many people, but uh, they've been on a bit of a tear lately as far as uh, performance, especially on the boys side. Yes. Uh, and so, and so for maybe those that aren't quite as plugged into golf, um, best ball is where you and I are paired up, Ryan, let's say we're on a hole and I shoot five, you shoot four. Uh, we take your score four. That was the yeah. best round, but we each play our own ball um, all the way through. Scramble is where you and I both tee off and we kind of look and go, okay, yours went a little bit further. Let's play where your ball landed. So I pick up my ball. I play from your spot and we're playing together that way. So there's a little more fluidity in the scramble mm -hmm. versus the the best ball um, format. And so um but and then the co-ed, you know, the Jack and Jill scramble as well at the end is a little uh, caveat. Um, so it was really fun to see. And your winners in each, you know, individual competition uh, for boys best ball. It was the St. Mary's duo of Seth Swallows and Landon Warren. The boys scramble went to the Kellogg duo of Jagger Hall and Blake Coburn. Uh, your girls' best ball winners were uh, Sierra Lehman and Audrey Wilson from Genesis Prep. The girls' scramble winners were Kellogg's Casey Finley and Kendra Korosik. And then the Jack and Jill scramble was won by Stephen Paul and Izzy Groves of Kellogg. So, yeah. yeah. No, it's cool. a cool event. And, uh, I mean, it makes me kind of regret not playing golf in high school. <laughs> <laughs> Especially days like today, it's absolutely gorgeous here today. Yeah, and we should mention um, Kellogg did win, as you mentioned, with the total of 36 because each finish is, is worth a certain amount of points. It's not a, okay, here was your shot score under par. It's, did you take first? Okay, you get 10 points. Second place gets seven, so on and so forth. Um, Kellogg only won by two points over St. Mary's. And so, yeah. um, I don't know, 2A golf in Idaho – Kellogg, St. Mary's. We've talked about Bonner's Ferry a lot on the girls' side for 3A. I'm sure they're happy that Kellogg's not in 3A anymore. Yeah. 
Yeah. No, that and I mean Genesis Prep still kind of sneaking around there too. So I mean it'll be interesting to see how the how as the weather improves. We talked about how courses play different, so it'll be interesting to see how things kind of change the next few weeks as the weather is getting really nice. Yeah. So uh, kind of a cool, uh, unusual golf tournament leading off the North Idaho Prep Cast this week. Now let's switch to softball because we have had a flurry of no hitters uh, recently. You know, let's start with the most recent one, Ryan. It was last night, uh, Lake City, Tuesday night, playing Sandpoint in the doubleheader. And this is an Inland Empire League doubleheader. These count in the league standings. Uh, Lake City wins both games 13 to 2. 25 to nothing and in that second game kylie palmer of lake city throws a no hitter yeah right throwing ahead. a no-no you know and that and yeah it is a 5a versus a 4a um sandpoint's been struggling we we kind of understand that but like let's not fault like lake city has been like on the upward trend as far as how they've been playing this year um that program's really turning a corner and to get a no hitter you know this this stamp you know this point in the season that's that's pretty pretty impressive, and obviously it's going to help their, um, you know, climb in the standings as far as the league goes as we approach you know district play in the next what two three weeks. So um, it'll be uh, interesting to see how how things um, progress as the season goes on. But Lake City, they're not only has their their we know their hitting's improved. Like we've seen it in the last few games, we saw it against Post Falls, um, but now their pitching and defense has really turned a corner. And so it'll be interesting to see how the T Wolves, you know, progresses. We've seen some other teams that were favorites slip up in the IEL. So it'll be uh, an interesting, I think, dogfight going down towards the end of the, end of the season. Yeah, so Kylie Palmer pitched both games of the doubleheader, as is pretty common in softball, right? Uh, you have a pitcher. It's like back in the 1920s when Walter Johnson, you know, was throwing every three days for the Washington Senators. You just ride yeah. that pitcher. Um, so the first game, she only allowed three hits, had 11 strikeouts, and she turns around in the second game, and besides a walk, she was one walk away from a perfect game. The only blemish was she that's issued so one free pass. So um, that's just crazy. <laughs> yeah, it's way way to go. And and Lake City as a team, by the way, eight and two overall, five and one in the IEL. What a job first year coach Jordan Hensley has done with his team. Mm -hmm. we, preseason we talked about. Yeah, Lewiston, Coeur d'Alene, Post Falls always has a strong team, and then Lake City was kind of the fourth team mentioned among yeah. the four. And yet here they are leading the way. And they're like, not so fast. Yeah. I mean, they're, they're kind of calling game right now on everybody. And so, like I said, that the improvement we've seen in the pitching and defense um, and then the hitting, turning the corner, they're going to be a force to be reckoned with is, you know, they hit the meat of the five uh, a schedule. Yeah. So uh, the team that's also alongside Lake city at the top of the IEL standings is Lewiston. The Bengals are also five and one in IEL play. Now they're six and six overall, but they've they've played a pretty challenging schedule so yep. far. Uh, the big breakthrough for Lewiston came last night, Tuesday night, in a doubleheader sweep of Coeur d'Alene. This was in Lewiston. Uh, the Bengals win the first game six to five. They win the second contest eight to six. Uh, Lewiston uh, basically uh, got to the uh, last inning in the first game, down one. They were down five to four. Uh, Anna Reddy, little one-out single, scores the tying run. And then uh, one batter later, Ashlyn Schnell is up for Lewiston, and uh, she she gets the walk-off. Reddy comes home with the, the winning run. So Lewiston walks off game one. 
They also win game two, eight to six. And so for Coeur d'Alene, the sweep isn't disastrous. They're, they're two and two in league play, five and three overall. But I think this just speaks to this league is going to be like every up, like volleyball, like basketball. Nope. Uh, IEL is going to be, you know, everybody beating up on everybody. You know, we talk about parity within the conference, but I think a lot of it said too. I mean, you know, what a difference you see in, and I don't want to get into the class, turn this into a classification argument, but enrollment size, the similarities within all of the schools. I mean, it leads to having a more competitive balance. And, um, you know, I think that's what's been evident more than anything in the last few years in all sports has just been, if you can have that balance, you know, as far as enrollment and comp, you know, competition, it makes a big difference for a conference to have, you know, that exciting turnaround. And obviously the, the exception being the Coeur d'Alene boys, or sorry, girls basketball team and Lake City girls, uh, boys basketball team. Man, I got those mixed up. <laughs> um, <laughs> but, I mean, winning state championships, but it just tells you, like, if you have a balanced league, like, it, it challenges you and prepares you for come state time. And so we're seeing that in softball. I think that's going to translate towards later in the year for sure. Yeah, Lewiston's lone blemish in league play came to Moscow, one of the four A schools. They lost and to which Moscow. Moscow's having a great season too. So I mean, yeah. like that's, you know, that, I don't think that that's necessarily a a huge red mark on the schedule, just because Moscow's been able to put things together this year. So, um, you know, it'll be uh, it'll be interesting. Like I said, I, I keep kind of selling a broken record, but we got to let things play out. But from right now, I mean, from the standpoint, there's a there's a lot of balance within this league. Yeah, and we will we'll find out Saturday, Lake City hosting Lewiston for the first of four conference battles. It'll be a doubleheader. Uh, first game is at noon, second game at 2 o'clock on Saturday. That will be very telling here in the uh, early part. We're almost to the midway point now of the, the softball season. Uh, you, you mentioned enrollment and things like that. We didn't talk about this in the pregame rundown, but uh, yeah. I, I, I want to get your opinion on the IHSAA meeting from last week as well. We're gonna <laughs> we're gonna table that, and we'll talk about that at the very end. But uh, the IHSAA explored some changes that we we've, we've been talking about for a yeah. long time here on the on the podcast. So they kind of did the opposite too of what I've proposed, but I mean they added. You know, we'll we'll get to it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So <laughs> you know, stay tuned at the very end. We'll talk about the IHSAA's. You know proposing or just exploring you know expanding state tournaments uh, changing classification enrollment uh qualifications um but let's finish up with softball where uh it's time for our annual uh not annual our weekly tribute to tacy watkins the phenomenal pitcher for (laughs) saint mary's um she uh pitched all four games over a two-day stretch saint mary's had a doubleheader with grangeville last friday Kellogg last Saturday, the Lumberjacks go four and zero through all of the contests. Um, and along the way, especially in the second set of games against Kellogg, Tacey Watkins pitches a no hitter and a one hitter. Um, and, and basically uh, the, the no hitter though, the only blemish was she hit a batter and otherwise it would have been a perfect game. So Kellogg in two games against Tacey Watkins, Two base runners, one hit, one hit by pitch. Yeah, that's insane. I mean, we got to come up with a nickname for like the sheriff or something because she handcuffs everybody. But um, I mean, she's just absolutely, you've talked about regardless of classification, I don't know if you get much more of a dominant player um, in the state of Idaho right now than her. I mean, like the numbers that she puts up, 
pitching is just absolute insanity. I mean, they're gaudy numbers. So she'll her number of strikeouts. I think we talked about um, over the weekend was absolutely insane. And wasn't it like fifty three or something like that in two days. She, yeah, she she threw twenty three innings all told uh, among the four games, and in twenty three innings, fifty three strikeouts. That's that's freaking bananas. That's just crazy. You don't see that every day. Um, so yeah, Tacey's she's insane and, and and just a great athlete. And I, I know she means a, a ton to that St. Mary's team, and they they you know gonna ride, I think ride that arm, you know challenging for state i think i really do look at that you got a pitcher that dominant and you can handcuff a good offense um it'll be interesting to see how things end up i don't want to prognosticate too much looking way too far ahead but they've been for what they've done so far they've been flat dominant yeah uh so tacy watkins 23 innings that means she faced a total of uh recorded 69 outs of those 69 outs, 53 came via the strikeout. That is like that's, 70, 77% of the outs came on strikeouts. That's so crazy. That is, <laughs> man. And, be, and, you know, softball, baseball is a stats-based game, and you look at all the metrics and everything of, of that. Like, the, I mean, her ERA is insane. I mean, it's microscopic. I mean, it's insane. So, like, yeah, what she's doing is just is something that you don't see every day. Like, that's just so rare. Um, which I think, you know, needs the recognition because she's going to have a, she could just go ahead and build up shop in your primetime pitchers every week. Cause she's the number she's putting up for this video game, like numbers. Yeah. And, and speaking of, that's a good reminder. We've got uh, new weekly features on idahosports.com every Monday. We bring you the heavy hitters, the nine best single game hitting performances in both baseball and softball. Uh, Tuesday is our primetime pitchers, the five best pitching performances from the past week in baseball and softball. Uh, as we transition to baseball talk, Ty Kep of Kendrick made our, he honestly could have made both lists. Yeah. Put him on, I put him on the heavy hitters, um, but but he was one that really stood out to you last week for Kendrick. Yeah, I mean, he went, what, three of three for three against Prairie um, at the plate, and he was what accounted for all 75% of their runs. <laughs> I mean, that was uh, not only that, but then on the mound, he was stellar um, pitching and that pitched all seven innings in the victory. So yeah, Ty Kep had an insane outing last, you know, against Prairie and, you know, more than deserving to be on both lists, I think, but you know, you can, he's probably the first arm out of the pen, but um, you know, after your, your rotation of five that you have, but uh, yeah, just a great week for Ty. He's such a good kid, too. And I know he watches the prep cast every week, too. So um, he deserves the kudos. I mean, he's been so dominant of an athlete for the Tigers, and he's just a great leader. Um, and I know that, you know, that Kendrick team, we talk about contenders, and all they do is win. You can cue up the song. Um, you know, they're they're looking pretty darn good, and they're on a good pace right now this season uh, to make some noise come 1A baseball time. Yeah, so last Tuesday, Kendrick is playing Prairie, the perennial power Prairie, and it was a tight game. It was only a 2 nothing win for Kendrick. So Ty kept basically responsible for a lot of the reason why Kendrick went out. It's a team game, of course. There's nine guys. They all contribute, but uh, he, he pitched the shutout, right? He pitched all seven innings, didn't allow a single run. And then offensively, we talked about it, three for three, Kendrick only had four hits as a team. So three of the four hits came from Ty Kep. 
He also stole two bases and scored both of Kendrick's runs. So literally, <laughs> he's he's all over this 2 nothing win. <laughs> That's impressive effort from Ty. Yeah. And then, uh, but last night, Tuesday night, Kendrick was kind of riding this wave of momentum. And this is how it goes in the White Pine. Man, any playing. Yep, they, they played Troy last night, the defending 1A champions from Troy. And Troy gets a 9-1 to one victory. <laughs> it's, it just shows you, man. It's like it, records be darned in that league. Um, it's just who gets hot at the right time. Like you could one through seven in that conference could win state uh, 1A. But yeah, that, that conference is just bananas as far as the balance goes. Yeah, and spoiler alert, we've got some Troy Trojans that are probably going to be on both lists next week because of what happened Tuesday night against Kendrick. On the mound, Dominic Holden, who is, you know, he was a big part of their championship winning team last year. Uh, He pitched all seven innings, gave up one run on just two hits. He had 15 strikeouts. (laughs) Yeah. No, that's that's insane. And, and, you know, we look at, it's funny. It's like Prairie in the conference until the losing, you know, that game, you know, they're th- what three and oh in league going into that game against Kendrick Lewis County has a great record. Kendrick's got a great record. Troy's right. I mean, it's just like you look at those top four teams right now, they're kind of distancing themselves without even trying within the white pine league. Um, it's just, yeah, I think that that conference just looks so good right now. And um, it'll be interesting to see. I mean, offensively, we're going to see fireworks as far as we're going to get nicer weather. That's the other part too. That's really hindering this conference is we've had some snow outs, um, in the last couple of weeks and then a couple of rain outs this week. So as weather clears up and the weather gets nicer, who knows, maybe they take my word of advice and head to Lewiston to make up some of those games. Um, but yeah, I mean, that, that league is just, it's going to be really interesting and fun to watch coming down the stretch to who's going to kind of take the mantle. I mean, Lewis County's averaging 11 runs a game. That's bananas numbers in high school baseball. Yeah. Uh, so, so yeah. So Troy last night gets the nine to one win. And we'll, we'll talk about Lewis County in just a second. Cause they had a big accomplishment on Monday. Uh, but Dominic Holden, one run unearned 15 strikeouts. He on the season. Now Holden has pitched 18 innings has only allowed three runs, three walks, 33 strikeouts. <laughs> In 18 innings of work, his ERA is 0. 0.16. <laughs> yeah, I mean, if I'm coach <laughs> coach at LCSE and I'm looking for recruits and I don't have to go outside of my backyard, I mean, there's a good one sitting right there as far as pitching goes. Holy cow. And and so he, you know, Dominic Holden will be on our primetime pitchers list next week. We're going to have a heavy hitter from Troy, too, because last night, Joseph Bendel, three for four. With four RBI, but of his three hits, two of them were home runs. Yeah, he, he left the yard twice. <laughs> yeah, no, they're just. I mean, it's it's fun to watch right now. I mean, like yeah. you really look at this and like, um, I think small school baseball gets overlooked a little bit in Idaho, and you know, you look at the the, the, the especially the one A's. You get some really quality players. You may not have the depth that you get at some of the larger schools, but you're still going to get some pretty quality kids. And uh, we're seeing that right now, you know, with Troy and Kendrick and and Prairie um, and Lewis County for that matter too. What they're doing offensively is just, is crazy. Um, But yeah, it's a, it's a fun conference to watch and I'm excited to see how things kind of 
progress as we get fewer rainouts. And then Lewis County on Monday swept Genesee. Now Gen- Genesee's kind of fallen on hard times, just yeah. overall athletically, right? But yeah, it was only two. Yeah, the enrollment they're dipping and everything. It's it's caused some issues. Yes, uh, but it was only two years ago that Genesee was your one A state baseball champions. Uh, Lewis County sweeps Genesee on Monday night, and in the process, pick up their first White Pine League victory in three years. <laughs> what an accomplishment for the Eagles! The co-op between Nez Perce and Highland. Yeah, no, that's a great accomplishment, and you know something that I know the kids and the and the coaches are probably savoring a little bit. You know, it's like <clears throat> getting that accomplishment and rolling through things that um, they're not done yet. I think they've got higher aspirations than just getting the first league win. You kind of look at what they're doing, and um, you know, granted, it is you look at the competition, but at the same time, you can only take care of what's in front of you. And if you're you're playing every game in and out that's on your schedule, tough. You know, I think it's going to work out for them better than not. So, um, do they finish at the top of the White Pine League at the end of the year? I don't know, but I still think that they're a top four team. It's it's going to be a lot to be seen. The Clearwater Valley has only played like two or three games, if I'm not mistaken, um, so far. I think they went a full week without even being able to play a game just due to weather. So, um, it'll be interesting to see as the Rams get rolling too, if they can turn some things around because they got a good program too. Yeah, it's that that district tournament's going to be a lot of fun to watch um, for sure. So, mm-hmm. uh, all right, let's let's wrap up today with last week the Idaho High School Activities Association, the IHSAA, met uh, for their you know monthly meeting, and uh, they they talked about a lot of you know intriguing things like adding javelin to track and field, which I think is great. I think it's cool. Washington does it. A number of schools around us do it. Yeah. I I, I grew up in Montana and did track and threw the javelin all four years and I loved it. It was my favorite event. So, um, so, so that is being proposed, um, expanding the state volleyball tournament from two days to three days, I think is also great. And could we expand softball too, while we're at it? Uh, (laughs) I mean, softball is only a two day tournament as well. Um, But expanding state volleyball, I think is a great idea. Um, Maybe looking at different venues to, to, to use for postseason events. But, but the two big things that were discussed were expanding state tournaments and then re, you know, reconfiguring the enrollment numbers um, that are used to determine the classification. So let me get your opinions on these. And, and if if you don't know what we're talking about, right on the top of the homepage at idahosports.com, uh, yours truly wrote uh, a nice article about everything they talked about, and you can get all of the details there. Um, but let, let's talk about expanding the state tournaments first, because this is something that's picked up a lot of steam and a lot of people in East Idaho, but also we've talked about it up north. Um, and, and so the proposal is, that basically, you know, there's there's five districts in, in every classification except 5A. The top four of those five district champions, according to Max Prep's rankings, would automatically advance to state. The other four spots to get to state, and this is in volleyball, basketball, soccer. Um, the uh, volleyball, basketball, soccer, and softball, excuse me, four sports. Yeah. Um, the other four spots would then be determined by a series of play-in games I love it. prior to the state tournament where you would have yeah. your fifth your fifth district champion 
and then the next seven highest ranked teams, according to Max Preps, fighting it out for a spot to state. I love it. I, I think that that gets you the best tournament um, you're going to get. And then, I mean, if you think about it this way too, and it's not, you're going to get the most competitive teams, the ones that are on a roll that des- that are deserving of finding their way in. Um, it opens the door to getting the three bids from the IEL possibly because of the max preps rankings getting in there and then you get the play in matchups and everything else. Um, you know, it, it, take this year, for example, on what, what could have taken place, um, you know, and the, the, you could look at say on the boys side, um, you know, is Lake city still going to be the one seed. There's still an auto bid to state. Um, but it, you know, if you look at the girl side, Coeur d'Alene still gets in, but Lake City, you know, gets an extra game. I mean, they don't have that one play-in game against Eagle. You know, they get an extra bid or an extra game. It's, you're going to get another team from East Idaho that's going to get that extra chance um, that may have missed because, um, you know, you only get a one-bid conference or a bid and a half, and then they lose a tough game and a loser out to, you know, another team. They, they, so I think it levels the playing field as far as getting the most competitively balanced field into the state tournament. Um, the state of Ada doesn't get to run the show with their five auto bids and, you know, basically hold their no, you know, nose in the air to everybody else. Um, I love it. And, um, and that's not a slight to, I, you know, there's a lot of good teams in the, in, in district three, like, I'm going to be honest about that at five, a and four a level. However, there's a lot of good teams that are sitting at home state weekend too, statewide. Um, so it changes the, and it makes it that play in weekend is going to be so dang entertaining to watch too. I mean, that's like the first rounds of the NCAA tournament. Like if you really compare the two, I mean, we know state's going to be kind of like the sweet 16 and the elite eight and the final four, obviously, but like you get that first round games, like on a neutral site, like kind of, you might have some games at ICC arena in Moscow. You might have some games in, in, you know, the new arena in Idaho falls. That's an exciting event for those kids that may not have gotten a state opportunity to get down to Boise and play down there in Nampa, uh, in, in the Boise area. Um, they get to have that, that big experience for that play in weekend. I love it. I'm all for it. Um, in basketball, especially. Um, but I think the other sports too, expanding volleyball to three days makes sense. Like, you look at some of the teams that don't make state in volleyball. It's it. It sometimes is even worse than basketball. Um, so it'll be really interesting to see. I think um, if the state moves forward with this and we pass it, the, there could be a changing of the guard a little bit. I think as far as um, the state championships are going to get spread out even more um, statewide at the larger classifications. And and it would ebb and flow. You know, using yeah. basketball as an example this year using this format, you know, there's a good chance that the post falls girls get mm-hmm. to go to state in basketball or at yep. least get to compete for it. They didn't even yeah. get that opportunity, but on the same side of the token, you know, do the Lakeland boys make it to state under this? No, format? they would be the five seed. They would have gone in. Who knows what happens? They could have got knocked off by, Pro- you, know. you know, probably not, you know, for being yeah. honest, you know, Lakeland probably doesn't make it. And then there's no teams from the North, but I'm, I'm okay with that. I am too, because then the years where it's top heavy, you know, it may you may have a really strong Moscow and a really strong Sandpoint, a really strong Moscow and Lakeland, whatever mixture of three teams you want. Especially if this classification thing mixes up, then you got Lewiston thrown in at the, the lower <laughs> classification with Lakeland, Sandpoint, Moscow. Like that makes things really interesting. Um, if you want to talk about what that would look like with a new classification system, holy cow! Like that—that's a new ball game. 
And I think that's going to, we're going to see state tournaments we've never seen before as far as competition goes. Yeah. And like, even in girls soccer, we talked about Moscow Sandpoint, two really good teams. And uh, you know, under this new proposed system, both teams would have a chance to to play at state and compete. And so I like it again, nothing official taken on it, just exploratory discussions. They're going to talk about it again at their June meeting and we'll we'll continue to follow the story there as well and that's also the caveat for the second big proposal which is re reconfiguring the enrollment numbers uh that are yeah. required for each specific classification um and and basically uh changing the designations now uh under the current system you have 5a 4a 3a 2a 1a d1 1a d2 uh, under this new proposal it would be 6a 5a 4a 3A, 2A, 1A. And just as it pertains to North Idaho, the big change would be at the largest level, the 6A, where the numbers would change from 1,000 currently to be a 5A school. You have to have an enrollment of 1,280 students or higher. Under the new proposal, it would be 1,400. So you're talking about 120 more students. Well, under the new parameters, Lewiston actually would fall into the next lowest level. Lewiston would no longer be a 5A, they'd be a 4A. And so you're looking at, or under this proposal, they wouldn't be a 6A, they'd be a 5A. So you're looking at then a split of... For a couple of years, Lewiston's getting bigger. I mean, they'll be back at right. the 6A within yeah. two years. It, but yeah. and, and this is all fluid, right? But yeah. you're looking at, it would be Lake City, Coeur d'Alene, Post Falls, and that's it. And then at the, the 5A level, it would be Moscow, Lewiston, Sandpoint, Lakeland. Interesting. Yeah. You know, the thing I look at with the current system was the spread at four. I mean, you look at some of the, everyone looks at 5A now and they're like, oh, that spread is just crazy. You have, you know, Timberline with 2,600 students and you've got Rocky Mountain with 2,200 students and all this stuff. You know, and then you have, you know, your smallest 5A school has an enrollment of, you know, it says 1280. I think the smallest 5A school is. I think right around 1300 kids, but um, I haven't looked at the numbers since I've, I'm trying to write an article right now. <laughs> so we've been talking about this for a couple of years now. I think this has been in the works, but um, you know, they didn't get rid of, I still think we need to get rid of the classification. Personally, that's where I stand. It makes more sense to drop a classification out and you can spread the numbers around a little more evenly because the spread, what they're doing essentially with the new six A's 14 and above is that you made five A spread now bigger. That was a problem before, and it's even more problematic now with this new system where it goes from 700 to 1,400. I mean, you have a 700 student spread at, at a classification level. In my mind, that's you're still not fixing the problem at hand with some of the other classifications. This only really affects 10 teams. If you really yes. look at it in the grand scheme of things, it affects 10 schools. Um, but you look at you know, the new 4A, it's 350 to 699 to where it would be the old 3A, which is 639 to 320. So that spread kind of stays the same. It just shifts up a little bit. But what does it do is the fallout in the new 3A goes to 175 to 349, where the old 2A is 319 to 160. Um, You know, and then 2A, which is the old 1AD1, would be 90 to 174. You know, Kendrick's one student away from being a 1AD1 school. I don't know if everybody realizes that the difference in those teams is minimal. I mean, at, when you get to that small of a level, the only thing you're really going to see is in the contact sports um, is where it really makes the difference. And so 
um, you know, what I proposed was really adding a classification for football and dropping a classification for all other sports. Um, because I think at football is where you see the biggest amount of parity is where you have the need in the contact sport because of participation numbers. You have to be able to spread that on the top end. Um, you know, you're telling me that Shelly right now is, you know, enrollment wise is on the same level of, you know, Lewiston because that's, that's what's going to happen. I mean, you could have Lewiston and Shelly in state football. Um, you know, that that's a big spread because Shelly's barely a four, a school right now. Um, so it doesn't really fix the problem. It only fixes it for a few people. And, you know, so moving forward, what, what's the correct fix? And I mean, Idaho enrollment wise, I mean, I look at other States around us, we're separated geographically because you have that band of nothingness, you know, through central Idaho, where you have literally salmon river meadows, Valley and McCall within a hundred miles of their next like league opponent. And it's, you know, it's not fair to them to like, but it's that's how geographically we're kind of oriented in in Idaho, and so what makes the most sense though still is, you know, geographics be darned. You, I don't think we need classifications that only have twenty one schools. I'm sorry, but that just doesn't make sense, and it, I think it dilutes a state championship. But that's my opinion. Yeah, and we can get into this deeper in June. It'd be a great yeah. off season uh, podcast to talk about. But I I kind of like the idea of what Nebraska does, and that is. We take our 32 largest schools, and that's our biggest classification, and we will draw up the conference assignments from there. Yeah. Then we take the next 32. Yeah. And I'm looking forward to getting that article out. I'll probably have it done in the next month or so um, yeah. because I, I did mess with, like, what would the new conferences and new districts look like? One, we got to get out of our existing district uh, way we have it. There's no reason District 3 shouldn't be split up. I think it needs to be two districts. Yeah. Um, there's enough schools there to necessitate that. And there's an easy way of doing it because you can use counties. There's enough schools now that have formed between Boise Metro and West Ada and Nampa and Caldwell. You can build new districts down there pretty darn easily and separate some of these. You don't need a, a 18 team super conference in the state of Idaho. You, you can have two leagues pretty easily and then have some crossover games and fix your problem as far as scheduling goes. But um yeah, no, there's some easy fixes. It's just going to take the state of Ada being flexible. Yeah, and uh, that's, difficult. that's difficult. We, yeah, I don't know. We've, I don't know if we've seen that movie before. <laughs> yeah, but if, I, if everybody statewide, I mean, bands together with an idea that like this is better for the the athletes in the state of Idaho. I mean, we can solve a big problem, and you know, let's let's let if we're going to penalize the north and the east teams for travel. And Ada's is like, well, we don't want to travel. It's like, well, everybody else does. Why don't you guys have to? And so, you know, if everybody else has to travel for their games, you know, mixing things up a little bit is not going to hurt anybody, I think, because if it means that the greater scheme of things of like our products better, why not try it? We can do it for a four year cycle. And if it stinks, go back to how we did it. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm, we're looking forward to that. You actually did a really nice article last year. And then I just, never published it <laughs> there was there was there was a couple of things we needed to tweak on it and then i just yeah. I, got, I got lost in the shuffle but this would be a great time to uh because you kind of came up with your own numbers yeah and i would i we're kind of having an editorial meeting here uh, on the podcast but i i would kind of want you to stick to your own numbers not necessarily go off of what they proposed you know let's yeah. see what you come up with i would be intrigued to see 
you know, how it differed and is it better, you know? Well, I'm like, I like now that they're going off of true enrollment numbers instead of like the artificial, whatever number of students that you have that if they're, you know, below certain, you know, economic status or whatever, I understand that some of that stuff needs to take place to an extent, but it, man, it, it creates these uneven balances to where you have a school with, you know, 1600 kids playing a schedule of, you know, teams that have an enrollment of like 500. It doesn't make any sense. It makes no sense. But yeah, I mean, yeah. And that, so, I mean, if it's about the best interest of the kids and you're going to get the best products on the field, top by and large, top to bottom, you got to be flexible and you got to stick with hard numbers. You really do. And, and I think schools would still have the ability to petition down a level in certain sure. sports if they wanted yeah. to. We really only saw it one time this year, Wood River playing down. Uh, Caldwell. In yeah, Caldwell and Wood River, but yeah. Yeah, so uh, we'll see. Uh, but that's on the homepage, idahosports.com, and we will uh, circle back to this topic in June uh, before the IHSA gets together for their June meeting. So, all right. A lot of good stuff on the podcast this week. Uh, everybody, thanks for, uh, tuning in. And I've included my email address here on the bottom. If you're watching the video on IdahoSports.com's YouTube channel, Brandon at IdahoSports.com. If there's athletes, all the hate mail there, all of it. <laughs> all right. And I'll make sure it gets to the proper person. Cause it's yeah. never at me. <laughs> yeah. Uh, if, there, if there's an athlete, a team, a story that you want us to talk about, uh, send me the email and we'll, we'll get it on for you. Definitely. So, all right. The newly engaged Ryan Skaggs, enjoy the rest of your week. Thank you. You as well. All right. For Ryan Skaggs, I'm Brandon Bainey. We'll see you next time on idahosports.com.